I'm Damian Willis, and this is the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News, a podcast in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. This week, we're talking to Lucas Pierman, the outgoing news director of the Las Cruces Sun News and Jessica Ansures, who will be taking over that role. Until recently, Jessica was the news director of the Carlsbad Current Argus, the Alamogordo Daily News, and the Ruidoso News. It's a role she'll likely continue for a while. All of the aforementioned papers are owned and operated by Gannett, the largest newspaper company in the United States. On January 1st, Jessica took over as the news director for the Sun News. We'll talk to Lucas about his time at the paper and his future plans, and to Jessica about how she intends to pick up the torch and carry it forward, what this might mean for the future of the newspaper. This week, I'm grateful to have Lucas and Jessica joining us. First, Jessica and Lucas, uh, thanks for joining us this week on The Reporter's Notebook. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Damien. Lucas, I want to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your career at the Sun News, which I think started about 20 years ago. Oh, more than 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. And uh, so how I got started at the Sun News, um, I was born and raised in Las Cruces. Um, and my parents always received the newspaper. And so I would, uh, I, I have faint memories of it being an afternoon paper. I think the Las Cruces Sun News changed from an afternoon to a morning paper, maybe around 1986, 1987 or so. And I would have been around six or seven. And I can remember going and getting the papers in the afternoon uh, yeah. from our yard. And then, you know, of course, in the mornings, my dad got up uh, way earlier than I did. So it was already there. But I remember going up, getting up and, and, and you know, reading the paper every morning or reading the comics, at least right when I was when I was younger. At some point, I, I became very interested in sports, right? maybe around middle school or so. And I would just devour the sports pages. And I was a very big basketball fan. Uh, so I just read anything I could about basketball. I became a big fan of the NMSU basketball team, of the NBA. For those of you who are listening who don't know me, I am five foot one on a good day. <laughs> and so my in, dream in, is to play in heels. the NBA. Yeah. Right? yeah, it didn't quite work out, but I did read everything I could about basketball. That, that was my sport. Uh, would watch it, would read about it, and I would take the sports page away from my from my dad in the in the mornings. And uh, at some point, I had a conversation with my dad about like, man, I think I could write stories about the NMSU basketball team better than the Sun News was. Right? We were going to the games. I was seeing what was happening, and I thought I could do this. I know how to write a story. <laughs> and my dad said <laughs> something to the effect of, "Prove it." <laughs> and so. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, there was a program called Excel. It's still within Las Cruces Public Schools, though, under a different name now. But it allows you to allows high school juniors and seniors to go to to take classes half a day and then go to a work site for the other half of a day. And so my senior year of high school, my last semester, 
I um, did an Excel internship at the Las Cruces Sun News. Right. Uh, so that would have been spring of 1998. So almost 25 years ago, I would uh, so I would you know go to classes in the morning and then I would drive to the to the Sun News offices and uh, and and work at the newspaper. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> right. I, I thought I did. <laughs> I quickly learned I didn't. But I, I was in the newsroom at 17 years old, right, and uh, meeting editors and reporters and kind of learning what they did. And it was a great opportunity to just just learn. And one of the things that I got assigned to do was to help with the under 18 page at that time. And so I would compile a calendar of events for teens and and then I would be assigned various stories one day, an issue of Teen People magazine, which was new to newsstands. So this is when actually new magazines were, were yeah. um, newsstands. Uh, he came to our offices and the uh, uh, features editor said, Lucas, why don't you review this? And then let the other teens know if it's worth picking up. Right. So I said, oh, that sounds cool. So I I read Teen People magazine and I wrote a review about it. And uh, I, I think the review was like, oh, this is better than most teen magazines, but still leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> right. And uh, so I wrote that and uh, it published and didn't think much about it. Over that summer, I got a call or, or correspondence from the editors of Teen People magazine. And they said, we saw your review and we want you to join the inaugural Teen People News Team, which is going to be about 30 teens from across the country. And they're going to help write stories. They're going to help give feedback, things like that. And I said, how did you read my review? We're in Las Cruces, New <laughs> Mexico. Like you're in New York. How did you read my review? And and so they said, well, it was online, right? We, you know, they have, <laughs> you didn't have Google back then, but uh, whatever the the. the <laughs> the the search yeah, engine Yahoo. was yeah. maybe Yahoo they had an alert and, and they said they saw it. And it was at that moment it kind of clicked to me what the internet could do for journalism, right? To until that yeah. day, I thought what I wrote was gonna go out to my neighbors, right? There was Las Cruces, New Mexico. That was my audience. At that point I realized, wow, my audience audience could be a whole lot wider. Like I, I could, I have the world at my fingertips, right? That's so cliche to say that, but, but really sure. like it clicked at that moment of how, how the internet was going to change my life and my job. Cause I had kind of decided I want to go into journalism at that point. So the summer between um, high school and college, I ended up staying at New Mexico, uh, staying in Las Cruces at New Mexico state university, I'm now working for Teen People magazine, and I walked into the offices of the Roundup, uh, the college newspaper, and said, hey, I write for Teen People. Could I write for you as well? <laughs> I think the editors of the Roundup were like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And uh, so my you know, first semester of college, I was a news reporter for the Roundup and was under the uh, tutelage of Heath Hausman, who is a very respected journalist in the state. Yeah. And Armando Arieta, who now works for the New York Times, he's a copy editor for the New York Times. Uh, he was the uh, the editor that year. And uh, so I, I learned a lot uh, when I was in college at the Roundup. I worked all four years uh, while I was in college at the Roundup. That was my education. It, it wasn't necessarily in the classroom. It was at the Roundup. 
Um, it was, you know, I was news editor, sports editor, features editor, managing editor, editor in chief my final year. Yeah, I, I and did it all. There's kind of a, a funny relationship between the Roundup and the J School at NMSU. Sure. Yeah. The, the Roundup is not run by the journalism school. Right. Uh, it, at some universities it is, but not at New Mexico State University. And they, um, it, there are times when they don't really uh, get along all that well. Sure. Sure. You know, and, and uh, you know, there are valuable lessons in the classroom that you get from journalism professors. There are also valuable lessons that you get working in an independent publication and finding your voice. Right. right? And, and I think I would if there's anybody out there listening that's an aspiring journalist that's going into college, work for your campus paper. That is an invaluable lesson. You know, get those clips, right? Write those stories, find your voice. That's where you can do that. And, and the, I would definitely the thing about the that. roundup is that it is paid for by student, student fees, student dues. So yeah. and that has been contentious in years past because yeah. there have been senators um, within the Associated Students of New Mexico State University who do not like what the roundup is writing. And so they have proposed cutting fees, right? It's a, it's a way for, and that's an interesting relationship when you have a government that kind of is responsible for allocating money yeah. to the press. And, and so every, you know, five, 10 years or so, there's a, seems to be kind of a fight between the, the, the Senate and, and the roundup at, at New Mexico State University. When you became news director, well, maybe you should take us into how you got back to the Sun News. Sure. Right. So, so I'm in college. I'm at uh, at um, uh, Mexico State University, and it was an awesome experience. Um, while I was there, our the Roundup was named the best non-daily college newspaper in the country, which is the award that I'm probably most proud of in my college career, or I mean, in my journalism career. Uh, that that is something that means a lot to me. So I wanted to bring it up here in this kind of retrospective as as, as something that I'm, I'm super. proud Proud of. After college, um, I got a Dow Jones News Fund internship to work at the Boston Globe, which was an awesome opportunity. It was just a summer internship, but um, I got to experience life on the East Coast in a big city for the first time in my life. And uh, it was just wonderful to work in Boston. Um, I was on the sports desk there, so I got to meet all of the, the revered uh, sports writers in Boston. And uh, did that for just a summer, and then I got the call from the Santa Fe New Mexican who offered me a job on their copy desk, uh, which means I was designing uh, the newspaper and reading uh, reporter stories, doing editing. So I did that. I was in Santa Fe for a couple of years. It was a great experience. One weekend, I came back to Las Cruces just to visit friends. Keith Hausman, who I mentioned earlier, was at the Sun News. And he said, hey, I think we have a, a job opening here in Las Cruces. You might want to talk to our editor and, and, and see about it. So I went and talked to the editor at that time, and he sold me on the job. And the job was to take over Pulse magazine, which oh, was yeah. uniquely. I've, I've uh, heard of that. App. Yes. Um, there was already a column in Pulse at that time being written by one Damian Willis. <laughs> and it had just started. It started in August of 2004. This was October 2004. And the person who started it was actually leaving. So they needed someone to take it over. I said, I'll do it. I want to come back to Las Cruces, right? I was getting a little homesick. This sounded like a perfect opportunity. And so I came back to Las Cruces, started in late November of 2004, um, doing Pulse. 
And uh, I did that for off and on for the next uh, decade or so. Uh, worked with you, Damien. Yeah. You were a, a contributing writer. And uh, and I, I learned how to be an editor uh, when I was doing polls, right, or further, you know, learned how to do that and working with a staff of contributing writers and whatnot. Uh, so I did that in 2012. That is when social media was really making changes in, in journalism, changing right. the way that people were getting information, changing the way that reporters were were accessing information. It, it just it gave the community a megaphone, right? And so it, it was instead of the community having to go to the newspaper to get across their message, now everybody had a platform. Everybody had like this mini blog, right? And so the newspaper's job kind of transformed into more of a let's go out and gather what people are saying and you know, it's out there, but we need somebody to kind of put it in a little container or contextualize it, right? More so than what we were doing in the old days, which was just starting from scratch. We were starting the conversation and we still did have that role, but we were also saying we're going to enter the conversation from the side and contextualize it. And I convinced my boss at the time that we needed a digital editor, somebody who could go in and, and you know, manage social media, monitor social media and just make sure the Sun News was a part of all those conversations. And so that's uh, my boss uh, created that job. And I think it was the first digital editor job created in a New Mexico newsroom. And and I think we did an awesome job of, of doing that. And, and I did that for a number of years, became news director maybe around 2016 or so. Um, May 2017, the editor at the time was Sylvia Uyola. And uh, one day she called me into her office. There was her boss was there and her boss said, Lucas, I am laying off this person, this person and this person. And Sylvia is resigning. Here's the keys. You're in charge. Good luck. <laughs> when when you became news director, how did you see that role? Uh, yeah, I mean, th there has to be a lot of pressure when you put it in the context of heralding a paper, uh, the paper of record that has been around since 1881. Sure. So at uh, at that point in May 2017, I, my title was actually already news director, uh, but you know, when the editor was was let go or, or she, uh, you know, she basically laid herself off to same staff jobs. Right. And I took her position, but my my title stayed news director. <laughs> uh, I didn't get the the editor title, but I was the, the de facto editor at that point. And I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I, I this is it's like on the one day, you yeah. know, we had 50. Employees and this was what we were doing. The next day, it was we had eleven employees and Lucas figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I didn't know uh, what I was really supposed to do, and and but I figured it out right, and and uh, I was thrown into the fire, and uh, so I, I luckily had a had a great staff that was here, and then together we figured it out, and I worked with um you know some of uh, the Walt Rubles of the of the day right, and uh, and. We got it figured out and we, we did it. And, um, you know, I've been news director is my title, though that's a de facto editor since then. And uh, so for the past five and a half years, that's been my role. 
figure out how to get news to our community in just this ever-changing landscape of, you know, how is news delivered? Uh, you know, there's so much more kind of competition, so to speak. You can look right. at like the Las Cruces Community Watch Facebook page came to be while I was uh, while I was in that role. And it's like a lot of people that I talk to now is like, well, that's where I get my news. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, you know, and and I would say that, you know, a, they have a, uh, a saying of if it happens, you're going to see it here first. And they're probably right. But is it really what happens? It's not, yeah, it's not vetted. True story? And so, you know, our role has kind of almost changed in that we're not going to be the first to report it in a lot of times. You're going to hear about it elsewhere. But you can trust us to get the story right, you know? So right. come to the Sun News when you want to know which version of what you're seeing on the Internet is right. Uh, and I think we've been able to do that effectively, and uh, and we've been able to get a lot of maintain a lot of digital subscribers. Right, um, the number of print subscribers has drastically reduced in my time as as uh, as news director, and that's fine. I understand the there's a lot of issues with putting out a print product, and it is not what it used to be two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. The print product is not. And some people out there might say what you have right now in print is a leaflet. And I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> but we are doing such an incredible job online in responding to what's going on in our community to keep that that audience, those that are engaged online, informed about what's going on. And uh, I think we've you know, that's what we focused on. And I think that we're we're doing a really good job there. And, and you know, I'm proud that we've been able to maintain so many digital subscribers, you know, more than any other newspaper of our size within the Gannett network. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's really where I feel like I've made my mark is online, right? Getting a, our news product to those digital consumers. And uh, it, that's... Uh, that kind of takes me into the next question, uh, Lucas. Aside from hiring me, what would you characterize as your greatest accomplishments uh, during your time at the newspaper? Okay, so number one, bringing in Damien. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that goes without saying, but yes. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I, I believe that we've been able to, you know, be relevant to our digital subscribers, right? That's that's the accomplishment that I'm that I'm most proud of. Number two, well, I don't know. I, I might put this in it and also number one. I, I I think we've done a pretty good job of of um, keeping the community honest, right? Yeah, Being yeah. Watch watchdog, watchdogging. Yeah, watchdogging. We've been able to say we're going to go to me, and I, here's what I'll say: in some news products. They'll go cover a meeting, a government meeting, and say this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Well, what's the big story here? And I, I think what I've been able to do is is work with my reporters in a way that we're going to these meetings, we're talking to officials, um, we're saying what is the story here, and really focusing on that, and not letting all the little paper of record things get in the way. <laughs> 
And so we may have fewer stories. Right. It, it's not it's not a TikTok of the meeting. It's it's diving into the bigger stories. Exactly, right? We don't want to go there and just be a a, a person that's just taking notes. Rattling saying, rattling off the agenda. Rattling off the agenda, exactly. We want to listen and say, here's the story. Let's dig deeper into this particular aspect. Right. And so we may not have a story for a couple of days after a meeting, but it's going to be a story that means a heck of a lot more to our community than would be just a recap of a meeting. And, and I believe that I've helped foster that kind of reporting in the uh, within the Sundays. And on the flip side of that coin, what were the biggest challenges that you encountered? Yeah, biggest challenges for sure. Um, before I get to that, I want to mention one of my other ac- accomplishments that I, that I really like. And and that is, you know, and this includes you, Dan, is in, delving into the podcast world. Oh, yeah. Um, and newsletter world. Um, and, you know, we brought we started in podcast with a reporter, Justin Martinez, who was covering the NMSU basketball team. And uh, and we said we should do a podcast. Let's figure out how to do it. And, you know, we did it. And then working with you, Damien, you have a background in radio. We're like, well, why don't we do a news podcast? And so we started that last year. We also started a newsletter. Um, And I'm very proud of those um, ways of disseminating uh, the news and information that we have. Right. There are there are really only two new mexico news podcast one one comes from krqe and they do a great job um but i think ours uh is just as good yep and we do you know we've traditionally done two of them we've had the um this news one and then we've had a uh, an nmsu basketball one and um you know steven wagner took it over after justin martinez left steven's left our newsroom unfortunately which I guess will lead me into some of the challenges that we face, yeah, uh, which is just reductions in staff, right? You know, it's it's every year that seems like since I took over, I've had to reduce staff, and that's been such a challenge, you know. And and you just can't cover a community in the same way, to the same level, to the same degree with six reporters as you could with ten. You know, that's just a that's just a fact. You. Got to change the way that you cover it. You can do some things as effectively. Like I said, let's let's you know not focus on those little things. You've got to focus on the big things. So what are those little things? Well, like events. We have almost completely eliminated any sort of event coverage. Yeah. And, and your listeners here might be shaking their head. Yep. You know, there's just not much there. Maybe we'll send a photographer there. We'll get a couple photos. But we're not going to necessarily go out and cover it. And that's just because I think, we don't have staff. I think about mm-hmm. uh, like cowboy days at the farm and yep. ranch. Yep. Yep. Those kinds of things. We just eliminated our, our you know, we've kind of eliminated a community calendar uh, because I don't want my, you know, city government watchdog reporter focusing on like, hey, is the, you know, is this location right for the for the country dance this weekend? <laughs> I just don't have a person that can do that here in the in the office. So a lot of those little things have gone by the wayside and our print readers. Have and we, taken we used to have we used to have a person who did that, put the community page together. 
Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. We had that, you know, we used to have those positions and those are the positions that are the first to go away because you don't want to give up your role of watchdogging. That's the most important role, right? And and so and it's been a challenge. It's been a huge challenge. Um, early deadlines, um, you know, our new yeah. paper product uh, in, <laughs> is in, basically done at like 10 o'clock every day. In recent uh, so days. It happens after noon, it's not getting in the next day's paper. And then this isn't, to use a phrase, this isn't news to anybody that, uh, that subscribes, right? In recent days, we just had a problem with the Aggies winning the, the bowl game. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge issue in sports. You know, like you can't you can't get the next day if it's something happens in sports, that's not going in until two days later. And then that kind of is that really news, you know, um, and, and the Sun News was specifically called out on Twitter on Tuesday yeah. because we didn't have coverage of the bowl game victory on Monday. It was a huge bowl game victory. And all we had, we we actually had one paragraph on the front page that said that the Aggies won and look for more coverage in Wednesday's paper. That did not sit well with sports fans. They were right. like, where is the Sun News with this coverage? And we just didn't have it. And so I, you know, as the Sun News Twitter account, I replied to that and said, you know, early deadlines, we're sorry, but here's a preview of what we're working on. And I actually took a photo of our of our front page which is in which was in production and you could kind of see what it looked like and it was a big photo of the one of the aggie football players holding up the trophy it said champs and, and that and, published uh, on wednesday today and the same people that were complaining also chimed in today to say like thank you sun news like we purchased two copies of the paper today and we're going to hang them on the wall right Hanging on a wall, right? And so I think if you have that conversation with your audience to let them know what's going on, they're generally okay with it, right? And and you know it may not be what would have been expected of a, of a traditional newspaper product, but I think you certainly can provide a a pretty good product, um, you know. And and for those that are listening, I have always been an advocate for a reduction in print for days. Like, I just don't think that we can provide a really good paper seven days a week. <laughs> and I think we can get a really good paper two or three days a week, a print product, while maintaining a very good online product seven days a week. Right. And, you know, and I would really be an advocate for saying, let's have a much fuller, a much more complete product two or three days a week instead of slicing it so thinly into seven days. And I think our audience and our audience may be listening to be like, no, I don't like that. I want to read my paper every morning. I get that. Sure. But if your paper is just a leaflet, is it, do you really want that? <laughs> and I think they would have an audience that quickly adapts to reading a print product that is, you know, much more full and complete. Maybe two maybe or three, days. three days. Yeah. A week rather than that, uh, you know, so thinly sliced seven days. And so there, there's a little a little bit of insight to the public into kind of how I'm thinking about the print product. And the online product would not be affected by that. Right. We would still be doing what we're doing online. Jessica, um, I want to bring you in here. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So. 
I am a New Mexico born and bred. I um, come from a small village just outside of the city of Carlsbad, the village of Loving. Grew up there, was raised there on a family farm, graduated from there. Um, stuck around in New Mexico to do my undergraduate degree at Eastern New Mexico in Portales, go Greyhounds. Um, and, you know, I think uh, we had at that time a really great J school, a really great journalism program at Eastern New Mexico. And I had a long interest in in journalism. And so that's what I studied while I was there. Graduated and like everybody else in New Mexico, left for, for a while. I spent some time. Uh, in Washington, D.C., I worked in the U.S. Senate for uh, Senator Pete Domenici, and then I did a um, brief stint at a nonprofit in D.C. while I was working on a master's degree. And I think at that point I was pretty fed up with a desk job. <laughs> so I went a little wild and <laughs> I um, I joined the Peace Corps and I was out of the country for a couple of years. But like where, all good New Where did you go? I went to Peru. I was teaching. um business, uh, business basics to um, the youth and women in a northern province of Peru for a little oh. over two years. Yeah. Um, but then like all good New Mexicans, I came home and I came home to a job in journalism. So I've been doing that now for about a decade. Where would you like to see the paper go? What are your aspirations for the Sun News? So I think the Sun News, I just have to say, it is a pillar of journalism in New Mexico. I think the things that it has accomplished in spite of the challenges, which have been many over the last couple of years, are just amazing. Um, but I really think, um, as every journalist in New Mexico, as every editor, as every publisher, anybody who knows journalism um, in this state will tell you is that we are, uh, as Lucas has pointed out, a changing landscape. There are things coming at us so quickly that we've got to make adjustments for. And we've got to be really smart about, as you put it, you know, where we want to go. Primarily, we are going to be focused on really growing our digital audience. We don't have a perfect model for journalism uh, anywhere. Right. Um, you know, some people still think that it's the print product, that it's subscribers. Some people still think that it's advertising. Some people look to digital as the way to go. But I think a mix of all of that is what really keeps our industry steady. But definitely growing our digital audience is going to be the primary goal um, over the next couple of years. We really think that's where the best chance for continued great journalism lies. Um, and then beyond that, I think that we will continue to do all of the good work of journalism, you know, with scarce resources, as Lucas pointed out, it is really hard to get to some of the the broader news out there. There are great stories that need to be told. There are important stories that need to be told um, and finding a way to prioritize that um, without running down the very limited amount of um, journalists that we have on staff is going to be uh, key. I think this kind of leads into the next question, but what challenges do you expect to face? The same that Lucas had right now, we are we are looking at a newsroom that is severely two, depleted. In two reporters, in uh, a sports editor and me. Right. Right. So how you know, and a photographer and a photographer. Great. Yeah. And, a, and a, Meg yeah. does awesome work. Um, so I think the, the the big question is, you know, how do we spend our 40 hours a week per journalist, right? Where do we prioritize that storytelling and that news gathering? Um, do we do we send a reporter to the local 
um, county commission meeting or do we send them to a local fire that, you know, that just broke out? So prioritizing what they're doing, how they're doing it, um, where they're spending the time and what's going to matter most to our community, right? Is it answering the big questions in our in our Doña Ana and Las Cruces community? Is our reporting reaching people? Is it having an impact? Those are some of our biggest challenges there, of course. But I think one of the things that we fail to do, and this is a, my personal opinion, and I've held this for a couple of years, is that we fail to really communicate to the public how journalism works. Um, how we make those choices, how we prioritize one thing over the other. And that's, um, and I've always that I come from Jessica. I'm sorry. That's one of the things that this podcast aims to kind of pull back the curtain on. And also right. our newsletter, you know, right. we want to invite readers in to mm-hmm. the newsroom. And that is great work. And I come from small, uh, from small newsroom background, right? We're community newsrooms. We're really, as journalists, we're really embedded in the community that we live in, that we work in. And we act as advocates and as liaisons between what happens in journalism and those communities. Um, So that's really near and dear to my heart that each one of us in this newsroom is a, um, is an ambassador for journalism in New Mexico. And it's really up to each of us individually to share that story, that journalism story right. with our, our readers in the community at large. Um, Don't take this the wrong way, but why did you want this job, Jessica? That's a great question. <laughs> uh, no, I, don't take it, I don't take it the wrong way. I think it's a very important question. Look, so I think that goes back to how I started as an editor in in newsrooms. And if you'll bear with me, I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, I was a, a very young reporter. I had these degrees, but I'd actually never practiced journalism until I got back home and started at the Carlsbad Current Argus. So I went through a really great first year with a great editor, Brandon Bowers, who's now at over at um, Lake Havasu in Arizona. He was a steady old time report, um, reporter and, and editor, was a really great mentor. And I learned so much my first year. But then, um, just like has happened in many newsrooms across the, the nation, there was chaos, right? We lost Brandon to, uh, to another job. We lost reporters. And then we went through a year where we had no editor at all. Um, so we had guest editors from El Paso, from Las Cruces. Lucas was a guest editor for a while just trying to help us stay afloat until we could fill that spot. Um, yeah. And at that time, I wasn't the most senior reporter, but I was the most senior reporter left in the newsroom. We lost two reporters who had been there for like 30 something years who had made who would have made great editors, but decided not to go that route. Um, so it took a year to get another steady re- editor, um, Aaron Bracamontes, who um, had, you know, was at the El Paso times before. Right. So we only had him for a year before we lost him as well. And by that time I really was the most senior reporter left on staff and I'd only been there three years. And so I was on and off reporting, trying to cover my beats, but I was also dipping into editing because we just needed the help. Like it was so obvious. We just needed somebody who could take on a leadership role, Um, I had no idea what I was doing, much like Lucas said. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I knew that I did not want our newspaper to falter. I I did not want it to die. I think Um, everybody experiences that. 
you know, like uh, I think about Algernon who just took over the uh, the dimming headlight. And one of the things that he said to me when uh, he was on the podcast, he said, can you tell me how to be an editor? Like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing teaches you like real world experience. And I was definitely thrown into the fire. But to answer your first question, that's why I took this job. I think that if we want journalism to survive in New Mexico, we have to be willing to take on more of the burden, to shoulder some more of that responsibility, to really act as champions of our, our newsrooms that are still in our communities and doing that good work. And and, and so, maintain that, that watchdog uh, Yes, and maintain role. a level of excellence. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we all know what happens in communities when there's no journalism and no journalists keeping an eye on things. Um, and uh, definitely they, they run like, amok. Yes, I definitely <laughs> feel like that's important work. And if taking on this role will help us continue to do that, then I am ready, willing, and maybe not quite so able, but definitely willing to learn. Lucas, what are the big stories that stand out to you when you reflect back on your time at the Sun News? The things that immediately come to mind are baby Brianna, the bombings, the bowl games, the uh, city manager upheaval, the county manager shenanigans, Jose Chavez, J.R. Stewart, Darian Jarrett. You know, those are those are the things that are kind of top of mind for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's um, a ton of stories. I, I would probably be doing a a disservice if I just named um, a couple that uh, because there's, you know, dozens and dozens of big stories. Um, one that that always sticks out as as memorable for me. But you mentioned Jose Chavez, right? right. He was a hatch police officer who was doing his job one day, pulled over a car for speeding, goes and talks to the to the three men inside this car. One of the men pulls out a gun and shoots him and kills him. Um, right. And then the people men in the car and hatch, they go speeding back on I-25 where there's a chase that ensues. It ends up in um, in Rincon, I believe. And the other two men get out of the vehicle and are like, hey, what's going on here, driver? And the driver, it's it's two guys that are friends from Ohio. And then they picked up a hitchhiker in California. And the guy with the driver is wants to shoot the the hitchhiker and pulls out his gun to do so, but ends up shooting himself when he tries to pull his gun. And then so those two guys take off while he's you know shot. And then I think he gets back in his car and he ends up getting arrested. And and uh, so it's a crazy story. And then probably, you know, if, if the people are listening and they've been in this community for the last five years or so, you probably remember that story. However, this is what I remember about reporting it. When that happened, we had gotten word that a Hatch police officer was killed and there was a chase ensued and that three guys were in custody. And one of the guys was like a hitch. Two of them were from Ohio and one was a hitchhiker. We knew one was a hitchhiker. That's what we knew at that point. And Diana Alba Solar, who's a a tremendous reporter um, and was on staff here for a long time. (laughs) uh, She was a, a news reporter at that point. She gets the idea 
I'm going to go to jail and, and just I'm gonna visit, s- visit him, visit this hitchhiker. Right. And she does. And the hitchhiker's like, oh, my gosh, thanks for talking to me. I, I was I, I was in the on. newsroom that day when she came back yeah. and it seemed like it took six months for that story to come out. But it was really probably only uh, six days. Yeah, and, and so he, the hitchhiker told Diana the entire story of what happened, and we rarely get access like that. And and so to do that, I think it gave our audience it's such a important um, insight into what happened, and in a way that was able to you know not be you have these gatekeepers like police oftentimes, right? And you went, it, it like opened this gate into this this world of what happened there. And we told the story. And that's one that always sticks in my head as I, like a huge git in a journalism sense, right? Yeah. We were the only one with this story. Um, it was just tremendous idea by by Diana to go down there and just say, maybe he'll talk to me. And he, he did. I'm just and, uh, a visitor. Yeah, we want to hear your story. And and that's what's important in journalism, right? I mean, everybody in our community has a story. Everybody has something to say. I and think about the, the J.R. Stewart thing, too, where uh, as that unfolded and these this couple was driving all around town lead, leading police on a chase, you were tweeting just nonstop, uh, like directions that they were going and that also is a way of reporting oh sure right i I think we were listening to the scanner and hearing what was going on and just uh you know kind of reporting that on 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 twitter there um so people could know and i remember that one because we you know we knew that they had crashed into somebody and there was a fatality at the end of that found out later that it was J.R. Stewart. And it's, oh my gosh, like I knew J.R. <laughs> I was friends with J.R. And just to, that when you hear that, and like I had tweeted hours earlier that, you know, somebody had died, but to know that that person who had right. died was somebody that you knew, you knew J.R. probably too, right? Yeah. He was very well known in this community. Um, and he's such a nice guy, such a nice guy. And, you know, you run into situations all the time when you're doing reporting like that, like, oh, I know who this is. And it becomes personal. And uh, that's a, you have to learn how to deal with that. Right. Yeah, in kind the of course divorce, of your divorce yourself from that personal aspect. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it's just it's fascinating. Um, the, <laughs> the the balancing act that sometimes you do in your life. <laughs> How have, uh, as editor, Jessica will, as she knows this from being an editor in Carlsbad and growing up there and whatnot. But, uh, you know, you go into the community and, and like people are talking to you and it's always like, what do they want from me as an editor? Right. And it's a it's an interesting balancing act. How have things changed since you took over, Lucas? Uh, how are things changed since I took over? I think we've covered um, some of that just to, you know, how much. The more digital, digital, you know, has played a part in reporting and, um, you know, how much, how less of an emphasis, you know, if my grammar is right there, (laughs) but (laughs) the, the print product is so much less emphasized today than it was 
um, even two years ago. And I feel for our print readers, I really do. But it's such a challenge to get, you know, ink on paper and <laughs> and go to a press and print it and deliver it. And, and it's such a, it, it, you know, in this day and age to have somebody say, this is how I'm going to deliver news is, <laughs> you know, put it into a computer and then send it down to a press. And then we're going to put it on these metal plates and the metal uh, plates we, are going to imprint a paper. We actually send it to a designer in Phoenix or Memphis yeah, or someplace. And wherever they are. Like if you were to describe that like if you were to say i want you to invest in this and this is the way it's going to be done uh, <laughs> <you> <laughs> nobody know, it, it, nobody's gonna do it yeah and i feel for you like i love reading a paper i love that like i said i grew up doing that you know but it's just in today's day and age it doesn't make much sense and you've all got smartphones and i'm a little bit scared by that you know like <laughs> but the actual journalism isn't changed, whether right. it's in the print product or whether it's on a smartphone. Like the actual journalism that you're doing isn't changed. And I think it can actually be enhanced by having all of this access to other information right at your fingertips. And so I think we can, you know, further go into that level of reporting and to keep watchdogging. And so if you can get past the idea that the medium matters, the journalism is still there in our community and you can still support that journalism with a digital subscription. What are you going to miss most about Las Cruces, Lucas? Oh, man, what am I going to miss most about Las Cruces? Um, but maybe you. maybe before we do that, uh, maybe you should tell people uh, what your next step is. All right. So I have accepted a job at the Albuquerque Journal and I will be uh, the Albuquerque Journal's digital editor there in 2023. Uh, one of two digital editors, actually. And I'm kind of going back to my roots as a digital editor here in Las Cruces. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about the opportunity uh, to do that with the journal. Um, so I'll be moving up there. I'm going to maintain my subscription to the Sun News, right? Las Cruces is my hometown. I want to know what's happening. So I'll be uh, logging in every morning to see what's going on. And, you know, I will miss things about Las Cruces. I know this has been my hometown. I've lived here for 40 of my 42 years. And so you you okay. create so many friendships here. There's places that I love to go and eat, you know, coffee shops where I know people that they know my order. And, and there are you know, places that I like to go, you know, the dog parks that have, you know, I, I recently got a dog. And so we've been going to all the dog parks. And I love that aspect of it. Um, going to Aggie sporting events, right? I, I grew up an Aggie sports fan. I'm still an Aggie sports nut, even though I try to put my bias to the side when we're, when we're reporting on them. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, now I have to go to, to Lobo land and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see. Go, go, go Lobos. Right. The cherry red. Um, you know, I had to get a new a new debit card. And one of the options was to get a, uh, a an Aggie debit card. So I've got Pistol Pete on my debit card. And I'm like, yes, I want this because I'm going to be going up to Albuquerque <laughs> and I need some reminder every time I look at the wallet of <laughs> over over <laughs> you know, Christmas. <laughs> um, I put Aggie 
license plates on my dad's car. Sure, sure. And I was thinking the whole time I was thinking, oh, your car's going to get keyed. And he lives in Albuquerque. Yeah. Yes. Uh Yep. Um, So, you know, but I'm going to miss that. But uh, I I will be coming back to Las Cruces from time to time. Right. It's a a quick drive. My parents still live here, so I'll be coming back for that. Um, I can actually fly to Las Cruces now, which I'm looking to take advantage of from time to time. Um, and, you know, checking that out, but yeah, I will miss the, uh, you know, Las Cruces is one of the things I've always said about Las Cruces is it's such a, um, I don't find that there are a lot of clicks here. Everybody just kind of mingles together. You can go out to any coffee shop or, or bar or library or school, and there's all sorts of different people from different backgrounds that are just conversing with one another. And that's something that's been noted to me by people that are visiting Las Cruces. You know, they, they just notice how all sorts of, of these cultures kind of combine. And, and I think you can say that to New Mexico at large to some degree, but Las Cruces especially, I think has that. And like I said, I've lived in Santa Fe. Um, I've been, I, you know, I have family in Albuquerque. I have lots of experience um, there. And I know that that can be a little more clickish than Las Cruces can. And so that may be the thing that I, uh, that I miss most is just about how warm and welcoming this community is to, to everyone. Jessica, uh, you're moving out of Carlsbad to come to Las Cruces. What are you going to miss most about uh, Carlsbad? So technically I'm moving out of the village of loving to come to Las Cruces, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, we're just 12 miles down the road. Um, Carlsbad is still, considers itself and is very much a small town um has got that atmosphere and that feel everybody knows everybody we're all really long time residents there with family connections um you know my family is is in that region in Eddy county of course um it's not too far away um there's always an opportunity to visit there but i think probably for me um while las cruces seems as an interesting new landscape to explore and get to know and come to love. Um, the food is great. <laughs> the food is great. Well, that's maybe, okay, maybe that's my thing. Like my mother has the best food ever. And so not being able to go into her kitchen every day and eat, you know, enchiladas or tortillas freshly made or sopa or menudo, maybe that'll be my big miss. But um, as a community, I think that, um, and I'm sure I might be the same here in Cruces, but Carlsbadians are very invested in um, the success of their community and they take it to heart and they give every day. And so I think that sense of community, um, small town community is is kind of what has is, is endeared it to me. Jessica, uh, Lucas, what do you want to add that we haven't talked about already? Yeah, I've got, I've got something to to add. Um, you know, I really advocated for Jessica to to get this job, right? To to follow me. Um, I've uh, she as as the editor of the Carlsbad and Gordo publications is is certainly uh, they are sister publications to Las Cruces, so we have been in the same meetings. Um, I go to her morning news meetings. I've seen how she interacts with reporters. I've seen how she interacts with her community. 
Um, and, and I said, yes, that's the, the kind of journalist that we need for, uh, for Lost Cruises. Um, you know, she cares wholeheartedly about her community and, and uh, um, you know, wants to see it, uh, um, you know, succeed and prosper. And she wants to be there for her reporters to ensure that they're, um, you know, on the pace for, for greater success. And so I, I advocated for her to, to follow and so I'm glad that that's happening. Uh, the, the second thing that I, I want to say is that, um, you know, most of the success that I've had has been because I brought in talented journalists. Uh, Thank you. Yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the things I'm proud of is I've been able to assess good journalists and convince them to come here and when you have the quality journalists that you have in this in this community it, it makes my job easier right it will make jessica's job easier um and that is such a big thing you know is to bring in talented people and i feel i've been able to do that and i hope that that uh, that continues uh for for the sake of lost cruises I'll just add that I think for anybody listening who who might be concerned about um, what's happening in journalism and leadership changes at their at their favorite paper to kind of be at ease, right? Um, our intention is not to um, change everything up. It's really to deliver that great journalism that you read every day online and in print um, and on our social media accounts. Um, and then to add to that, you know, I have an open door policy. I don't think that. Um, as an editor, as journalists, we completely function as the first gatekeepers anymore. I think it's really important to have conversations um, with everyday Joe in our community to help guide um, what we're doing here. And so I just want to extend that invitation to um, the Las Cruces community to reach out and to say hello. And I, I want to just add that I really look forward to um, and continue the great work that's been done under Lucas's leadership. Thank you, Lucas and Jessica, for your time today. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Reporter's Notebook. We also have a newsletter sharing reporter stories about, well, about how we report stories. A huge thanks goes out to Jessica and Lucas for joining us this week. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many of the places you find your favorite podcasts. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. You can find all our local reporting brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces at www.lcsun-news.com. For all of us at The Sun News, thank you for the privilege of your time.